Rock and Roll Grad School with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poland. This week we have on the show Avi Wisnia. Yes. You like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, singer, songwriter, pianist extraordinaire. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got the perfect fall record. Really? Yes. Uh, the cover he talks about in the interview because you were not there for the interview. So you I get know. to enjoy this with the rest of us. I don't really show up anymore. Nope. Pretty much just phone it in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, they took the album cover. It's based uh, him in front of a mural that he walked by a lot in his neighborhood. And it, it, it just sounds like a fall record. And nice. we get a little into fall albums and what, what is that and what you were going for and what that sound. So it's very enjoyable. Good. I'm excited to yeah. hear it. Um, I appreciate and... you sharing this with me because you didn't tell me any of that before. Way to, well, way to keep it. To well, what good would it have done you three weeks ago? I don't know. I could have been in the know before our listeners. How was your conversation with Avi? Oh, we talked about this album cover. And, and then you just would have looked at me and been like, what does this have to do with me? No, I wouldn't. I would have you totally would have. No, I wouldn't. What's a man got to do with me? That's what you would have been like. Right. That's exactly what I would have been like. Let's talk about your first show last night. Was this a club show? It was. It was at the Magic Bag, yes. The Magic Bag? Yes. Oh, that's a name. Um, it was a porn theater at one point. I'm assuming still the same name? Still the same name. Yeah. No, you don't want to lose that clientele once you've built mm-hmm. up that word of mm-hmm. mouth. I also saw Ron Jeremy do comedy there once. Wasn't wow. funny at the time, less funny yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, no, that definitely hasn't aged well. Mm-mm. So uh, how big the venue? A few hundred people? Yeah, but a very like hip, like it's a venue that's always been like a good place to see, like people love to go there. It's a good place to see mm. a show. All the 80s bands played there, you know, all that stuff. All right. But it um, was, was it weird being inside? Because your only other show was the Joe Bros. And that right, was outside. outside. It wasn't too weird because they required you have your vaccination card with you. You couldn't mm-hmm. have a picture. Mm. And you had to show ID to compare. Right. And most people were masked, even with that. And yeah, you nice. couldn't do a test or anything. Like you had to prove vaccination. Right. All right. Well, that's something. And I was I, more fascinated because I hadn't been there in so long. And I used to. What so is going on over there? Oh, we're killing poor Randy. You've got to. Randy's got to. Can we swab her just to be tripling? Well, sure. she's actually going to a show. What day are you going to a concert? She's going tomorrow to get swabbed because she's got a I concert. See. Who Who is she going to see? Who are you going to see? Randall, who are you seeing? Zucker. Who? <laughs> Jeremy Zucker. Jeremy Zucker. He's not big. Uh, yeah well he's what oh apparently she knows music we don't know okay wow this is what randy's been holding out for all the cool bands that she hasn't booked for the show right what's that at her feet oh that would be the gauntlet okay randy yeah seen and raised (laughs) yeah but Um, the drummer last night had on a moderna tank top which was kind of awesome Ooh, very nice yeah i um so after the vaccination yesterday, like you had to do the 10 minute hangout. So mm-hmm. one, the kids would not let me yell out. What have you done to me? I'm changing while they were giving me the shot. <laughs> they wouldn't. At like top volume. No, they wouldn't. Oh my God. 
And then I told them the reason we had to hang out was because they have to make sure you don't Hulk out. Yes. Like you don't turn into the Hulk and then you can go. And I actually heard them telling kids at the bus stop today. Yeah. And after you get your shot, you got to wait for 10 minutes. So you don't turn into the Hulk. That's awesome. That makes me really happy. I'm like, you're nine. How do you not know that this is a joke? But whatever. He also told uh, in, a, in a carpool last night to baseball practice that he's very glad he is vaccinated before Bob Dylan, which that, the father okay. texted us being like, this is not a nine-year-old conversation. No, he's brilliant. <laughs> it's amazing. I watched, Rachel and I watched School of Rock this weekend up north. Oh, Rock has no reason. Rock has no rhyme. Right. Yeah. I love that movie. But I must say, like, those kids... Like, they're really cool kids, but they're mm-hmm. not as cool as your kids. Well, I mean. I mean, it kind of minimized the movie. Now, granted, they were getting, like, had not already been exposed to rock. So their evolution did not start at birth. Right. But, I mean, look at that end, the ending credit sequence there where they're playing um, It's a Long Way to the Top. Yes, it's amazing. And that's all, like, I was going to say real, but, like, that's all legit. Like, they yes. didn't. They were just messing around and Jack Black was like, all right, let's do this. Mm-hmm. The so, kid that plays guitars from right near here, from Detroit. Of course. I would expect nothing less. Um, and we had on the show one of the kids from the Broadway musical version of School of Rock. We did. Look at that. I know. I spent the afternoon trying to catch leaves Before they could fall to the ground Congratulations on the new record. Thank you so much. And so this has been a long time coming. Uh, And it's not always the happiest of reasons that took you so long. Do you think sort of this was... uh, meant to be that it had to come out now or that you had to go through these things to make this record? Yeah, I think the record came when it was when it was supposed to come. I think the same thing happens when when I'm writing my my music, you know, it's you can't force a song the same way you can't force a record. Um, It has to feel right. And I think the reason why I didn't put out a record for so long was it just didn't feel right. I wasn't in the right place for it. It often takes me a long time to process things that happen, especially um, things like, you know, death in the family and grief. And, um, and yeah, I had to have some distance before I could process it and, um, and put it into the music to be able to put it out there. Did you write these songs as a, almost an overarching collection or was it sort of one at a time and only later do you go, oh, these kind of all click together in a way? Yeah, it was more the latter. I kind of uh, uh, wrote them and then figured out what they were all about and what the collection was going to be about only later. Um, You know, I had a bunch of songs in my arsenal, especially since it was 10 years since my last record. So I had a lot of songs I had been working on and piecing together and thinking about. Um, 
and wasn't sure what I was going to do with them. And I, I kind of went to the songs that I, w I kept coming back to. And I didn't realize actually that they were related. So for me, this wasn't a, a collection of songs with, the, with an overarching theme at the outset. Mm -hmm. But as I started putting it together um, as a collection of songs, I started to realize that the theme was kind of revealing itself, that, um, that really there was an overarching theme. I just didn't realize it consciously. You know, this idea of, of thinking about the passage of time and, and how we deal with grief and things in life that are beyond our control was actually a similar theme to each of these songs that I had picked out to focus on that I really wanted to, to realize in the studio. How long into that process did it take you to figure that? Was it one of those like, oh, I'm an idiot. These all match up. Or was <laughs> well, it? Well, <laughs> I do say that a lot to myself. <laughs> um, but it, it was actually... Um, it wasn't until I was done recording the whole thing. It wasn't mm -hmm. until I started thinking about the album as an album, because as, as I was recording uh, with my producer, Ken Pendergast, you know, he tried to approach each song as its own individual story, as its own little world, and to kind of create a, a sonic landscape geared toward whatever the song was about. And it wasn't until I looked at all of the songs together and, and, and realized that that was, that was kind of the theme that what I had been going through for the past few years um, was really revealing itself through all of the songs. There must be stuff that it killed you to leave off the record. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, a great, a great problem to have is, uh, is having yes. too many songs. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think I, you know, I only wanted to include the songs that I felt really confident about and, um, you know, the, the life cycle of a song, um, sometimes it, it takes years for them to evolve. And sometimes they're just, they're just not ready. They need a little bit more work. And sometimes you don't know what that work is. Um, so to be able to come out on the other side of, of making this record with, um, with 13, 14 songs, um, just felt really good. You know, I wanted to put, uh, uh, put as much out there as I could because it's been so long since I've really had um, new material like this. And the, the record features a lot of kind of, it, it seems to me almost a Tom Waitsian sort of approach to the mm -hmm. instrumentation of it, where you've got a Fisher-Price xylophone and typewriters, <laughs> and it's this organic sort of like stuff that's just surrounding you as part of the instrumentation. Was that something you always kind of thought, like, I want to bring in real life in a way to these songs yeah I or like was that, that something in, that just kind of happened yeah bringing in uh real life uh, you know was um uh certainly a, a really cool way to put it i um you know i wanted everything to feel very organic especially there's a lot of um nature right themes of nature in these songs and um you know, allusions to the natural world and all the music, uh, because of that, all the instrumentation is very acoustic. And, um, you know, so I wanted it to, to sound like real instruments, real pe people playing real instruments and kind of the, the breathing, the life, the organicness of that. Um, but also to add in different color and to do that, you know, I really wanted to think outside of the box of different sounds that we could bring in. So like you said, my, um, my childhood Fisher-Price xylophone that I used since I was three years old, um, 
that, you know, is not the most perfect sounding instrument, but it just, it has that color, you know, it's like a... It's from, pitchy, let's be honest. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a little pitchy. <laughs> um, yeah, if you try, there are eight, there are eight, um, there are eight notes on that and they do not play the perfect scale, no. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, it's 1964 model and it just has that sound, you know, like they don't even make um, xylophones like that anymore because the jagged edges on the metal will kill you, a child, you know. Yeah, especially if you start sucking on them. Yeah, and yeah. so you really, you know, you can, you can hear that. You hear the danger. There's a little bit of danger <laughs> record too. Um, but, you know, there's that quirkiness and that kind of, yeah, that, that realness that, that you um, get. I think because, uh, yeah, you do bring everyday life into it. It's, uh, you know, when you're, I think also when you're going through, through sadness and staying inside a lot, as we all have been during the pandemic, you start to notice the little things like around your house and the, the, the weird quirkiness and the different sounds that it makes. And I, I definitely wanted to bring that into color. It. When did you record the record? Had you already lo relocated to Philly? Yes, I was in Philly when I when I made this record. And in fact, a lot of the songwriting that I did um, for it was when I was living in South Philly, I would go to this park called Palumbo Park. And there's this beautiful um, mural there. It's called Autumn Revisited. And so a lot of what I was writing was, um, you know, kind of colored by me sitting in the park and and looking around me at nature and trying to get inspired and trying to sort out my thoughts. Um, and then I ended up thankfully going into the studio right before the pandemic hit. So we were able to, um, to record it together with the musicians without worrying about the, uh, the pandemic. Um, and that was all here at, at Morningstar studios right outside of, um, Philadelphia. And we, we mixed it at the Bach building down in South Philly, which is an old, uh, high school that's converted now into, um, uh, you know, local businesses have kind of taken over the classrooms. And so we would mix there. So I feel like, yeah, Philly is very much a part of the album. Is that the mural that's on the cover? Yes, that's absolutely right. We, uh, we went back and did a photo shoot um, at that mural because it was such an integral part of my songwriting process. And it ended up just fitting with this autumnal vibe that all the songs have and the music have. Um, and the artist, um, uh, the artist's name is David Gwynn. And he uh, very graciously, um, you know, wanted to be a part of the album and let me use his artwork for the cover. So I'm really, I'm really glad at how it, how it turned out. You know, I think it's a good representation of the album visually. It's interesting. You said the kind of autumnal, vibe and and sound to the record and you definitely get that how do you get that what is that thing that to you means that season that i think like i certainly heard when i listened to it mm -hmm. can you put your finger on what it is that sounds like autumn i think there's something that just makes you you know want to put on your favorite fleece hoodie and eat carrot ginger soup that kind of thing Mm -hmm. But I think at a at a, a deeper level, there is um, a kind of melancholy that comes with autumn. I think for some reason, for me, there's this kind of acknowledgement of change when autumn hits. That's uh, it's different from a changing of, of a different season. There's like a little bit of a sadness. Maybe it's like the the fleeting kind of joy vacation that summer brings that that's mm -hmm. going away um the oncoming cold 
Um, but there is this idea that, um, you know, a kind of uh, sadness and melancholy, but also a, a desire to kind of hold yourself closer to find a little more warmth. And I think that's, that's kind of what the music does. It's exploring that sadness and melancholy, but it's also bringing a lot of, of warmth, like trying to try, like we try to warm ourselves up as the, as the chill comes on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you definitely get that, that vibe from this record. And it, I, it's the exact same thing with all the fall albums that I really love going to. Um, and I guess it's sort of a, standard question by now but what was your pandemic like were you were you writing were you i know you said you were mixing you'd finished recording were you continually going to other stuff seeing what else you could do or just really hunkering down with this record and these songs yeah i think like for many people my pandemic was very isolating but the silver lining for me was that I finally was able to kind of focus on on the mixes and and getting this album done um, without kind of the distractions of the hustle of life because life had pretty much stopped. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, there was also uh, there was also a lot of 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 grief and worry in the air, right, for everybody during the pandemic. And usually, when I'm going through something, I kind of stop writing. Um, and I stopped creating because I was just kind of going through it. Um, so I was glad to have a project that was kind of done in the final stages and something to focus on, um, something to focus my energy on and kind of see that light at the end of the tunnel. And um, so it's, it's kind of nice now as the, you know, as we feel like there's a light at the end of this pandemic that that the album is coming out because that has been my my hope and my kind of beacon and pulling me through you know through this uh through this time yeah and to say nothing of i think getting to share some of these emotions and stuff with other people in a room and having that very unique kind of one-on-one -on -one experience yeah i think a lot a lot of people have turned to music in a maybe not in a different way, but in a, in a, in a deeper way during the pandemic to really um, get them through, especially with kind of a live streaming concerts um, where it, it was a very intimate kind of thing to perform for a camera um, and also to be on the receiving end, right? To watch somebody performing in their room or in their house or in their basement. Um, there really is an, a, a uh, maybe a, a new appreciation of that kind of intimacy. Um, but I, yeah, I really miss performing for people in a room and I'm, I'm excited to do that also when this album comes out. Yeah. Um, do these songs play well with your other material? Are they good playmates? <laughs> yeah, they get along. I would say they get mm -hmm. along. Um, I've, you know, I've been trying them out, um, performing them, um, for a couple of years. And that always helps me kind of hone the, the song. Um, you know, the best way to shape a song is to hear it out loud and sometimes to put it in front of an audience and see what you feel works and what doesn't. Um, so they've, yes, yeah, so my songs have co-mingled with the, with the other songs from other albums before, but um, I feel like this is just really an evolution of what I've been driving towards and kind of being a little more clear with my intentions and, a little more clear with my sound and also um, trying to experiment a little more with my sound. So I think it's just kind of the natural progression of, of, of where I was going. 
when you went to the studio with into the studio with Ken and we're talking about this record, what kind of musicians and records were your touchstones that you said, I like this sound or I like this feel? Was there anything or was it just take these as they are and let's figure out where these guys belong? Yeah, there a lot of the, you know, some of the songs really jump around from kind of the genre they're influenced from. Um, but I always come back to, I think, a, a kind of the, the overarching mood and an artist I was thinking of a lot was actually Chet Baker. Um, really uplifting stuff yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Certainly not his story. Um, but, um, uh, you know, a lot of his, uh, the way that he plays his trumpet and, uh, and even his singing voice is just so effortless. And it sounds light, even though sometimes the subject material is heavy, but it's, yeah, it's just so effortless and, and cool and mellow. And again, intimate. Um, you know, I really, I really liked that idea and tried to bring some of that um, into this album. And you'll hear that on some of, you know, some of the horns as well. It's kind of that, um, a little bit of that Chet Baker vibe. One thing I always wonder about musicians, there are certain records that are a perfect turn down the lights, put on an album, and just sort of sit and let it wash over you, or you have friends over and it's in the background. Is it okay for this stuff to be background music? Or do you think it really needs to be sat down? Because they're those records that you, you have to focus on to really appreciate fully. Is this something that can slowly seep into your bloodstream over multiple listenings? I I always think if someone wants to play my music as a soundtrack for their life, you know, what, whatever that is, you know, I'm, I always take that as a, a badge of honor and a sign of, you know, respect that you want my music to be a part of your life. There's definitely always music playing um, in my life, no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm working or, you know, having people over or, um, or eating dinner or going to bed, you know, it's always, um, uh, I always like having that soundtrack to my life. And I think, uh, I think it's, you know, some, sometimes I think the, the best records are ones that you, that fit different parts of your life also, and mm -hmm. that you can put on and kind of forget about and enjoy when you catch, when they catch your ear, but also when you sit down and really listen to them and focus on them, that there's so many layers to figure out. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, some of my, my favorite records do that. So I know you're doing a record release show at the city winery. Mm -hmm. Do you have other dates booked? Are you heading out? I was hoping to, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I was I was hoping to do um, a bigger tour and go to, to different cities. And the idea of, um, you know, doing those uh, logistics with the Delta variant um, spreading and especially around like Thanksgiving time and, and taking multiple musicians with me um, was it was right. It's, it's very hard to plan <laughs> for anything yeah. in this pandemic, especially as, as I saw a lot of other people start to cancel their tours after everybody was so excited to to plan them over the summer. Um, so definitely focusing on the Philadelphia date at the end of November um, with the full band. And um, that's going to be a great show. It's going to be my first um, my first time 
uh, performing really for a big uh, audience in, in a long time, especially since the pandemic and with the band. So I'm really excited for that. And hopefully there will be um, more dates, uh, you know, more dates coming soon. I'd love to get back to New York. I'd love to get back to DC. So, um, you know, trying to see how, how things go, but certainly the, the touring dates will definitely come back soon because I miss it so much. How big is your touring band? Well, right now I'm uh, the band that recorded with me on the album. So it's Eric Sales on guitar and Chuck Staub on the drums, as well as Ken Pendergast um, on the bass. Um, they're going to come back for this show in, uh, in Philadelphia. And it's been a while since I've toured with the band. So we'll have to see. Ken just moved to, to California. So, um, you know, the pandemic has really shaken everybody's life up. So mm -hmm. when I tour, I love, I love to tour as a quartet and have that band playing with me and behind me. I love feeding off of other musicians' energies. And I just love making good music with good people. Always playing music with others is, um, you know, is, is ideal. So hopefully we'll get the band back together to tour. I've seen the world turn bad into good. I've seen whole lives restarted I've seen it work out the way that it should Until we died of boredom But once you settle in They come and smash your windows in They drag you back downstairs And throw you out on the street And laugh as they change the lock So tell me everything is fine Catching Leaves, Avi's new album is available right now. Check out his website, aviwisnia.com. He is on Facebook, where he is at facebook.com slash music, And he is on Twitter at aviwisnia. You can check us out on all the various socials. Be sure to visit our website at rockandrollgradschool.com. And don't forget to leave us a review. Today's show is produced by myself and Heidi Hegquist. Our reluctant producers are John Sauvé and Sandy Stone. Our willing producers are Rachel Allen and Randy Jeanette. Our intern is Zach Jackson. This one's for Philippe. Thank you, good night, and may all your favorite bands stay together. All of your shit is gone. So tell me everything is fine. Everything's just fine. I think you're